0: strongholds or the last message and the overcoming uh, the wound, wounded hearts. And uh, I know I was dealing with a couple of uh, thoughts in relation to how Satan impacts uh, people, how he can hurt people. And, uh, and we did about six of those or five of those. And I'm just going to do a couple more and then I'm going to get into the end of the message here and finish this tonight. But I do want to Uh, hit a couple more points here because uh, I I think sometimes we underestimate uh, what Satan can do in our families and uh, we don't uh, don't think of it as a real issue and yet it's very real Uh, like I said uh, many times uh, your reality your spirituality is far more real than most people's physical reality which means as a born again believer you see things that are more real than people that live in this world. That all they can see is the physical life, and uh, and really, it's just a facade. It's it's uh, it's not uh, not related to truth necessarily, you know. And so, what we need to do sometimes is uncover the way that Satan does work, uh, so that we understand in a greater way what the reality of our life really is. And uh, I'll just get to go to First Peter chapter five. And we'll look at one uh, particular one here. And of course, this one you're very familiar with. And Ben, I'm going to be hopping a little bit here, so you have to uh, keep up with me. I'm going to number 19. And uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. You know this passage, probably know it by heart. But it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, now the word devil means deceiver. The word adversary just simply means that you're your enemy or the opposing force in your life. It says, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now he's not a lion. It says as, and that as is, is uh, revealing to us that this is a metaphor. He's wanting to explain to us some characteristic that is related to Satan that we can see physically in a lion. And the way the lion, we were looking this this afternoon at a video of a lion getting a hold of a, I don't know what that was, wildebeest. And uh, the lion was almost dead, but it would not let go. And its claws dug into the neck of that wildebeest. And even though it barely had life left in it, the lion from the horns being stabbed into it, it wouldn't let go. It's just tenacious. And even though it fell off and it almost looked like it was dead, it hopped up again and jumped right on him again. And so it's quite something to see that nature in that in that lion. There was no quit in that thing until it was done, until it died. And uh, so it's quite interesting when it says, "As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour." He is very tenacious. He does not give up. Uh, he will not give you a break because you're tired. Uh, He does not look at age as something that, oh, well, a five-year-old, let's leave them alone. No, he doesn't do that. In fact, as soon as he can infiltrate your home, he's going to do that, and he's going to come at your kids. And that is a very prominent way that Satan works in, in your children's lives. If you have no spiritual protection, or if you've got ground that you've already given to Satan in your home, if there's any issues, even from pornography, some hidden sin, That dad is involved with you've just opened the door for the lion to come in and you'll find that there will be infiltrations into your children's lives in their bedrooms at night and so forth and I've seen this way too much to to think it's a fairy tale (laughs) all right it happens a lot and uh, we can never discount things like that you always listen to your kids as they're telling you things and as they relay things to you it's it's not just imagination sometimes they are really dealing with something that you, you as a spiritual leader ought to be in there to counteract. It's going to fall on your shoulders. Amen. So he is as a roaring lion walking around trying to devour us. So he does devour. That's his whole uh, point here. We're going to go back up now to uh, number six there, Ben. And so I'm going to look at uh, thwarting our efforts as well. The Bible says in First Thessalonians 2 verse 18... Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So here you have a man of God that was doing the will of God, but even though he was a man of God doing the will of God, Satan was still actively resisting and hindering him from doing what he wanted to do. And so Satan hinders. And so within the church growth that we're looking at here, within what we're trying to do, Satan is constantly working to hinder the forward movement of Airdrie Baptist Church amen, and, and what we want to accomplish. And so it could be that seeking for a building, it isn't just simply that God doesn't want to give us one. Uh, it may be that Satan is hindering it. And maybe it could be through ground that somehow Satan has gained within the congregation. I believe that can be very true, that our sin within the body can affect the forward movement of the church. And God allows that hindrance to take place. Because he doesn't want us to go too far. As we have a a bigger platform, we have greater influence. So he wants us to be prepared for that. Amen. And there are some churches that never are. They can never become prepared. I believe we can. Amen. And so what I want is the Lord to raise us up to a higher level of influence in this area. And I believe he's already been doing it. But I think there's more and more and more that he wants to do. But that puts the onus on us as believers to deal with our sin issues. Uh, because that can hinder the work of God. And so, uh, thwarting our efforts is one. Um, you look at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's, it, it talks about how that Satan buffet, buffeted him. It, it striked at him. He striked at the Apostle Paul on an ongoing basis. It says here in 2 Corinthians, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations..." There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And that was, we know with Paul, it was a physical issue that he had. It was a physical sickness. I believe very much that Satan is involved with physical sicknesses. There's the aspect of uh, original sin and contamination within our bodies, where we break down, ultimately we're all going to die. Amen. We will not live forever in these bodies. Uh, and so there's, there's an automatic uh, degradation that takes place within our body. But there also is an aspect how Satan can afflict your body. And that's why I always say to people, you know, you're going to work. Um, you want to stay home one night. So you call in and you say, I'm sick. And you aren't really sick. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That is deception. And when there's deception, that's how Satan operates. He operates within the darkness of the lie. Think about this. If I'm just using now physical sickness as a deception to get what my flesh wants, I've now given ground to Satan to operate within that area. Which means that this is going to continue. And now Satan is going to use that because there's a lie afflicting me uh, because of my lie about being sick. I find many people that use sickness to manipulate what they want to do, where they want to go, and so forth, actually give greater ground to Satan. And Satan will actually use sickness against them. Amen? And that's why I say never lie about being sick. Never use sickness to get what you want or to manipulate a situation to make you look better or maybe so I don't have to go, I don't have to go to work, I don't have to go to church, whatever it is. Just tell me the truth. If you want to be here, just say, I don't want to go to church. <laughs> Amen? I'd rather have you say the truth than give Satan the ground in your life to use sickness against you. Amen. Because we know that he is the messenger of Satan that buffeted Paul in his physical body. And we see that throughout Scripture. That he has got that power. And through even in the book of Job. You see that he's the one that gave Job that, those boils, that sickness. And he could have taken his life, but the Lord put a boundary on how far he allowed Satan to go. So, folks, it's not just up to chance here. And I find most people that, that are within that uh, deception of sickness, many times they, they promote a lot of wellness things, but they're the most sick people around. And so you got to be careful about that. Amen don't lie don't lie don't walk in deception about the state of your body or use it to accomplish your own purpose because as as much as you think oh well no satan (laughs) why wouldn't satan use that you know if you're going to lie about it why wouldn't he use that (laughs) if he operates within the lie why would he not use that in your life he would He's looking for any crack in the armor. He's looking for any way. So if we deceive, we've just handed it over into his hands. Amen? Because he's a liar and the father of it. And so he's the one that's been working on you to get you to call in sick all the time. Just because you want to stay home. Now you may have another reason why you want to stay home. And you don't want to tell them about it. Maybe it's something personal. (laughs) But you know what? You're better off saying, hey, I need some time off because I've got a personal problem than to use something in deception to get what you want. Amen? Don't deceive. <laughs> deception is a tool within, the, within Satan's hand. Your adversary, the devil. The word devil means the deceiver. Let's not be deceivers. Amen? Always truth tellers. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be honest as God's people. Amen. It reminds me of this one man that I remember we left. Uh, Shelly used to work at a music store in Winkler and she left her purse in the store one night and they closed the shop. It was in a mall and we needed to go get it. So what are we going to do? So we went into the mall and we found the caretaker. And the caretaker just said, well, you know, I don't like doing this. But, you know, so he went to the door and there was a way to shift it up and to move it aside to actually get into the shop without a key. <laughs> and, so, and he told me, he said, he said, I don't like doing this. I said, hey, don't worry about it. I won't tell anybody. I'll tell them uh, whatever. He says, no, you tell them the truth. Amen. I thought, whoa. <laughs> he said, don't you lie about this. I'm just telling you I don't like to do it. But I did it because he needed the purse. <laughs> Amen. But this man was an honest man. He was a good, godly, honest man. And he says, even though I'm doing this, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to cover it up. I thought, man, there's a man where the devil doesn't have a way into his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because those little lies, that's how Satan infiltrates. That's how he causes problems in your life. Even little white lies. Oh, well, they would never, the devil notices every lie you, say, you, you, you tell. In fact, he's probably behind it. He is right there to instigate it. Even the small ones, the ones we call white lies. Amen? All right. And so he can actually buffet us and and put us into sickness and so forth. So let's make sure we're right with God. If that hedge comes down that we are sick, let it be because he allowed it to take place because he's using us to glorify himself, like with the Apostle Paul. But if you lie about it, you have taken down the hedge and God has nothing to do with it. And now you are getting afflicted over and over and over again by sickness. And if that has happened to you, what you need to do is renounce that. You need to go to the Lord in prayer and confess your lies. You may even need to confess to your boss if you've been using it. And then you need to say, Lord, take back the ground that Satan has gained in my life through my constant lying about my health needs. Amen? And then the devil loses his power. <laughs> But don't just think it's going to go away automatically. There's no statute of limitations for the devil. He's a lot older than you are. He waits generations to enact his plan. Amen? He's a lot wiser than us. And so we have to do this in a spiritual fashion. He also oppresses people. In Acts 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so there we have that the devil oppresses people. A lot of people th- say, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't be possessed of the devil. Well, that's a lot of semantics here, okay? You can never be owned by the devil if you are a Christian, <laughs> amen? You can't be possessed, which means ownership does not belong to the devil, never, nor indeed can it be. But I'll tell you something, in the, way, the same way at home, I'm renting my home. I don't own the home, but I am in the home. You understand that? He may not possess you, but he can oppress you. If you open up the door and let him in. And that's the example that we got from Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. He opened up the door. He let him in. You know what I mean? And he did that through his fear. He didn't like what he was hearing. He reacted, and through his reaction, he reacted. He really, he was working out the will of the devil as a child of God, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that, amen? We gotta be very careful about this. He can oppress people, and oppress is is, is tyranny. It's about applying pressure on your life and making things difficult for you on the internal life, your emotional life. He can cause a lot of havoc in your heart, Amen? And that's oppression. And any, even a believer can be oppressed. Amen? Even though you're not possessed. <laughs> Alright? The word possessed, is, you got to be careful about these, the terminology and semantics that you use there with that. And so he also torments. We know that. Or vexes people. In Luke 6.18, it says, And they that were vexed with unclean spirits. So he just basically, basically wants to make your life miserable. <laughs> that's what he does. So he vexes you. Uh, he can put ideas in your heart. In John 13, verse 2, it says, uh, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So the thought of betrayal didn't come from Judas. It came from Satan himself. And he put that idea in his mind. Amen. I tell people all the time that Satan can put thoughts in your mind. He can do that the bible talks about the fiery darts <clears throat> that we are to lift up the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil amen and <clears throat> so what that means is these darts coming in are your little thoughts that keep bombarding you you'll be sitting there and also the blue comes bam <laughs> you know and you say, oh man, I must be terribly wicked to think this kind of thing. Well, you didn't come up with the thought. You'd be terribly wicked for you to take that thought and to dwell on it and to let it engulf your thinking. But you can quench the fiery dart. We have tools available to us in the scripture that when he shoots the dart at our mind, we can immediately take that thought captive and go to scripture and the Lord will quench That fiery dart, well, it won't engulf your thinking, you know. And some people think they can't. They think that you just cannot control your thinking. Yes, you can. (laughs) That's why the Bible says taking every thought and bring it into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. How many thoughts? Which thoughts? Every thought. Amen. So you can be a Christian that is in control of every thought. Now, if you're not, it's simply because you have not developed a strategy for your warfare. You're standing on the battlefield, facing away from the enemy with no helmet on, (laughs) and wondering, why am I here? (laughs) Where am I, anyways? And that's what the devil does, and that's what most Christians are, because they neglect the fact that they are in a spiritual warfare. You know? And so we, we walk around like, this is just, oh, this is just us, it's just, no... You've got to remember, there's a satanic battle that is for your mind, and he's going to keep throwing darts on you until you allow him to engulf your thinking. And so, when you get enraged and you get bitter and you get angry, that's not because uh, just something in you, that's a fiery dart that's engulfed your mind, and you've allowed it to totally put your mind on fire. Amen? That's a warfare tactic. <laughs> they used to light the arrows, they used to shoot it at the fort. Why? They wanted to burn down the the fort. They wanted to burn down the gate. They wanted to weaken the gate so they can go in. Right? That's why they use fire. And that's the same mentality when when the devil tries to get you to give him ground through your thought processes. Amen? So we got to be very careful about that. So we can put ideas in your heart. uh, In Acts 5 verse 3, now we're talking about believers here, he can fill the heart as well in Acts 5 verse 3 it says but, sa- but Peter said Ananias why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land so you can see the flesh was involved here the flesh was yo oh, man that's a lot of money I know we said we're supposed to give it to the church and you know, we promised and so forth but, but they, wouldn't, they wouldn't even know if we held back you know, 500 bucks, (laughs) you know? They didn't realize, being the first century Christianity here, the apostles were given uh, pretty good insight into these kind of things. And the Lord was also still completing the scripture and writing down these examples in the word of God. Amen? What a dangerous time to be playing with God. (laughs) Amen? And so that's what they did. And right there, he fell to the ground and he died. A born-again believer allowed Satan to fill his heart with an idea, with a thought, uh, based on the lust of his flesh, and he hit the ground dead. And his wife, because they were in it together, followed him, and the same thing happened to her. She would not confess. If she would have come in and told her, yeah, I know, you know, I just want to let you know that we held back part, I, I confess that, it was a poor thing to do, she would have been in the clear. <laughs> but she held it. She deceived, tried to deceive the church about the money and he even said he said you didn't have to even give us the money this isn't about the money this is about the lie you can't bring lies in the house of god (laughs) you want to keep your money keep your money you won't fall to the ground and die (laughs) amen (laughs) you understand that but you start making decisions to make yourself look good in the house of god because we've got to remember, it was on the heels of Barnabas, the chapter just before, a few verses before, Barnabas sold his land in Cyprus and gave all that money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then everybody, everybody's, boy, that Barnabas, what a great guy. He's a great Christian, you know. And they thought, oh, I want to be looked at as a great Christian too. But the problem is they weren't great Christians. It wasn't in their heart to do. And you can tell it wasn't in their heart to do because... Their heart was full of satanic lies because of the lust of their flesh. They were looking for the accolade. They were looking for the applause of men. And that's what happens in the church. Be careful. Be careful. You come and sing up here, it shouldn't be for you to be noticed. (laughs) You play the piano, it shouldn't be for you to be noticed. It should be to glorify God completely, everything for Him. Amen. No confidence in the flesh whatsoever. Amen. And so filling the heart, uh, let's move ahead here. There's a binding that he can do. In Luke 13 verse 16 it says, And not this, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So the Lord Uh, released her from this binding that Satan had her in for all these years and so Satan can bind you so never just neglect the fact that the decisions of your past and the way that you've handled things did not have a spiritual impact on your life and that's why it's, it's important for you to methodically go through your life and make sure that those things that you've been involved with, you have confessed and forsaken them. But not only that, but you have renounced the hold of Satan on those areas. Because even confessing them isn't sufficient if he's already got a hold in your life. The Lord has forgiven you. But at the same time, folks, you need to evict the one that you allowed into the door. He doesn't own you, but you need to push him out. An eviction needs to take place. Because in, in a, essentially, he is, he is housed within an aspect of your soul. Your soul is open game to him. He can, he can inhabit your thoughts. He can even control your will. He can definitely uh, affect your emotions. Amen. Those are all elements of your soul. And because your soul is still tainted with sin and is under the dominion of Satan here in this world, that's why the Lord wants us through our spirit to allow him to renew our mind. The more of our mind that the Lord controls, the less that Satan can influence our lives. And the more he can use us for his honor and glory. Amen? It's very important to see that. So binding people, he can blind people spiritually as well. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, "...in whom the God of this world..." hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so you're wondering, why does this person on the job, why doesn't they just listen to what I got to say? <laughs> well, they've made a statement of unbelief. They say, I don't want to believe that. I don't care to believe that. When they do that, they give Satan the right to blind them further. Amen. He blinds the minds of them, which believe not. So those that have made a decision not to believe have now granted permission for further blinding in their life. And that's why many times you pray, Lord, raise the demonic blindness off of their eyes. (laughs) Help them to see the truth. Because the devil has got a blinder, like you have horse blinders or they keep them from being distracted from the side. The devil puts those blinders on people so that they see only what he wants them to see. Amen? That's why many times you argue with them about huh, the church or whatever. All they can see is what they have allowed their mind to see. Oh, they're a bunch of abusers. <laughs> We're Baptists. We're the ones that have been killed over the centuries. Amen? There are more Baptists killed over, the, over history than there were Jews killed in the Holocaust. Yet you don't hear that on the news. You understand that? And you know what? (laughs) Oh yeah, you're just child abuse. No, we're the ones that are being killed here, all right? (laughs) Always have been, always will be the ones that hold to the true word of God, the ones that believe the scriptures and uh, word for word and and say we ought to live it the way the Bible says it. Amen? Persecute, like I said this morning. So blinding people. Uh, This last one, pretty heavy. In 1 Corinthians 5.5, we have this truth. It says, "...to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is dealing with church discipline. The Bible is telling us that the local church, when they enact a church discipline, is actually delivering someone unto Satan. Wow. Why? For the destruction of the flesh. That means when people are within the membership of this church and they're here, they come, there's a spiritual protection that the Lord has given his body. And when you allow sin in your life and you want your sin more than you want the Lord in your life, the Bible tells us to push out the sin, whether you stay or go is up to you, but the sin is going out. And if you decide to go with the sin, the Bible says you are being delivered Unto Satan outside of the umbrella, so that Satan has free reign over your life to destroy your body, destroy your flesh, to bring you to a place of repentance. <laughs> you say, wow, that's pretty heavy. I know it is. You know, especially since it's true. Since it's true. We've seen this happen, I've seen people die because <laughs> they wouldn't get right. You don't mess with it, man. It's not about me. Oh, that pastor, he thinks he's something. This has nothing to do with me. This, my friend, is the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth, and it deserves your respect. Now, I have to be the first one to respect it, which means I have to be the one that says, hey, you know, sometimes I have people saying, hey, it's it's a privilege for me to be in your church. I says, no, no, it's a privilege for you to be in this church. It's not because of me. It's not because of the preaching. It's not because of any particular person. It's a privilege because this has been bought with the very blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you better thank God that you're in it because if you get pushed out of it because of your dirty, rotten sin, the Bible says you will be destroyed. And that, my friend, is no fun place to be. And that's why I don't just jump on things like that. My whole existence, personally as a pastor, I've only disciplined one person. And that was in my first ministry, where that person, what he wanted to do was continue working in a bar, serving alcohol to, to people, yet he was a member of our church. Now, he was young and foolish, but instead of listening to me, I picked him up and gave him a ride home one day, and the devil filled his heart, and he called the cops on me, said I was threatening him and all kinds of things. And I told him, I said, that's, that's not true. Well, he says, well, anyways, you stay away from him. So I couldn't even uh, talk to him. He, he put the police in front. And so what I did is I just said, okay, I went to the church. We, I says, I can't go the second or third time here. We just have to go straight to the end of the process. That's the only time in all my experience being in a church that I actually saw someone return. And he did. One day he, was, he came, I seen, saw him come back to church on his bicycle. He was, he was an older guy. He just didn't have drivers. And he was driving around in the parking lot. I go, hey, what are you doing here? And, well, can I talk to you? <laughs> I said, sure you can. And he got right. Amen. He got right. And so we, we, we brought, put a letter together, and he went in front of the congregation and read that letter to the people apologizing for his wicked behavior. That's the only time I've ever seen it happen. <laughs> Many people have been disciplined are still out there, and their lives are a misery in fact i've never seen somebody under discipline ever live a joyous life afterwards it's a misery why would you want to waste this time (laughs) the best time you can have is just being a part of god's work giving yourself to it loving it enjoy the protection of it i'll tell you something god has put a protection over your family just by being a part of his his body it's not because of me it's not because of the pastor so great it's because God has chosen to use the local assembly to enact his will on this planet. You cannot do the will of God without the local church. There's no lone rangers in God's work. You can't do it. Well, I'm just going to go do this. No, you won't. I mean, you're going to do it, but you will have no influence. You'll, you'll be able to do nothing for God. You have to work in a way where your identity is being lost within the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ within the body of Christ. If you want to keep your identity and put it in lights, I'm sorry, the Lord's not with you. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm just going to go do this Well, you go do what you want, but uh, you got to lose your name first. <laughs> Amen. And you can only do that within the context of the local body. That's why I think even some pastors ought to just sometimes be quiet, stop blowing your own horn. you know what i mean stop pretending to be something so hot you're really not that great every pastor can fall every pastor's got a sin nature amen we just have to completely depend upon the lord and just keep preaching the word of god and don't worry about your name being remembered or put in lights or whatever that has nothing to do with it i would appreciate not putting my name on the internet trashing me though (laughs) amen but if you need to do that i guess whatever (laughs) you know it happens (laughs) it happens So, destroying the flesh. So be careful, folks. Uh, I, I hope we never have to church discipline. But, you know, I am very ready to. Why? Because the Bible says a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. That means if we allow a little bit of sin in our church, it's going to grow and it's going to infiltrate our church. We're going to lose God's blessing on this church. And I'm not going to let it happen. And I, you may be my greatest buddy. But I will still do it for you. Do you understand that? <laughs> if it's a family member, it doesn't matter. We'll do it. I encourage you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter five. First Corinthians chapter five tells you about the sins that would be, that would require church discipline. One of those is fornication. Well, you say, "Well, I'm glad I'm not being promiscuous." <laughs> well I'll tell you this the word fornication comes from the Greek pornea if you're involved with pornography you could be church discipline you understand that so get off that trash <laughs> Amen. it's no place in the house of God say so, well I'm trying pastor I'm, then get help but get it out of your life it is attacking the very fabric of God's church Amen. So that it's serious business. We won't allow it here. No, it'll be serving. In fact, I remember at Pemina Valley, I, I was in charge of the whole Sunday school program and even initiating the policies for all the teachers. We had 80 workers, we had uh, two to three hundred kids that were a part of it. And uh, I just thought, man, I, 80 people, it's hard to stay on top of 80 people in a, in a kid's ministry for like one hour or three hours a week, whatever it would be. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to add to our policy. No pornography. That means if you ever, if you're involved in pornography, you cannot teach our children. I think that's fair. Don't you? (laughs) It's fornication. It's fornication. And so we want to make sure that, that they understand because many times we look at that, we look at that as a private sin. It's not something that, no, it's not a private sin. The devil knows all about it. And I've seen great damage come to a family through pornography. <laughs> Ended up in sexual abuse. It's terrible. Don't, don't get involved with it. <laughs> not only that, it has a spiritual ramification for your children. Even though they maybe never knew about it, Satan can infiltrate their life and mess with their mind based upon the door that you've opened into your home. Amen? It's spiritual. I'm saying this just to warn you not to be spooky or anything like that, folks. This is serious business. I want our families to be protected. I want you to be uh, in charge and on top of this stuff. Amen? And if you've been involved with it, what you need to do is you need to renounce that, confess it, deal with it. And if you can't stop doing it, seek the help you need to get it out of your life. Forever. Throw away the stinking computer or the phone. You'd be better off doing smoke signals. Than tempting yourself with pornography. You understand that? (laughs) It's wicked and ungodly. And so, church discipline, and I encourage you, there's another one there that folks don't really think much about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's called railing, railing is insulting. And you know what? The devil can get into your heart and you can start insulting people and calling people down all the time. It's called blasphemy in the scripture. The Bible says, and I read that this morning, that the Apostle Paul delivered Hymenaeus unto Satan because he blasphemed. He wasn't just blaspheming God. Blaspheming is simply insulting and trying to injure somebody's reputation. Don't do it. <laughs> it's serious. Amen? Serious business here. But you start getting the devil in your heart, you're going to start doing that louder and louder until it gets to the right ears and then you are going to be on the spot. Do you understand that? If I hear of this stuff, I have to deal with it. You may not like me for it, but I'm going to do it. Because I can't have our people insulting one another. The the person sitting beside you ought to be somebody that you would lay down your life for. And if you hate them, that's a problem here. Amen. And if the hate is in your heart, get rid of the hate or you got to leave. We're not allowing the hate in here. This is about loving one another and sacrificing for each other. Amen? But it's, it's, it's an offense of, of discipline. Look at it. Drunkenness, drunkenness. That includes alcohol, drugs, or anything else. It's church-disciplinable. Serious business, amen? Now, I'm not trying to be just some uh, person here uh, you trying to put the fear into you so I can control you. I know that's not possible. People have been trying it for generations. It's never worked, amen? What I'm trying to do is appeal to those that want to be right with God. I have found that it doesn't matter if there's somebody that doesn't want to be right with God, you can give them all the scripture on the planet. They're not going to change. Amen? I'm talking to honest men and women tonight. (laughs) So you can put up a guard and you can say, I'm not going to let Satan get an influence in my life. I'm not going to be destroyed in my flesh because I'm too foolish to get right with God on those things that God said you should not do. Amen? And I'm also going to have a great respect for the house of God. Like I said, this is not a soccer club. This is not, you know, your uh, (laughs) bingo club or so forth. This isn't the place you just choose to go to and then choose not to go to. This, my friend, is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're attacking another member, you are attacking Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says that when Jesus had the judgment of the nations, he says, those things that you do for the least of these, my brethren, you do it unto me. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Then on the flip side of that, he says, those things that you don't do for these, my brethren, you don't do it for me. Amen? Serious business. I know people don't want that today. They just want this rock concert Christianity. Just want to go and have an emotional experience and go home. But that's not what church is. If we're going to make it these days, if we're going to make an impact in in this devil-controlled world, we've got to be more than just a, a social club. We've got to be a holy body. We have to seek righteousness and holiness and we've got to desire that a walk with God and to walk with Him and to desire Him to, to, to fill us with His Spirit and to, be, to become someone that can give forth the Word of God with power. Amen? This is something far greater. So when I get people coming in, what do you have for me? It says, we have all you need. It's just what do you want? What do you want? Sometimes what they want is not what they need. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm not going to start a program for you. (laughs) Amen. Like I said this morning, I was talking to a gentleman, and and he was very sincere, and I believe he wants to do the right things. And uh, I was just saying, hey, in the churches that are out there today, you take down the fog machines and the strobe lights and the the amplifiers and the, uh, the drum sets, you pull that all out this week, who would show up next week? Who would show up next week? I caused cause them to think a little bit. If you weren't there to have someone pump up your emotions and get you to feel all ooh uh, about Christianity and have this emotional experience with God. <laughs> See, you don't have to worship God with music. You should. But you worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can worship God driving down the highway in your truck on the way to work. No music playing whatsoever. Spiritual experience. Starts in the spirit, works out through your body. You don't need an external stimulus to cause you to worship God. The only stimulus you need is already inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Anyways, I'm going to give you a couple of points here and we'll be done about addictions as strongholds. Like I was saying last time, that addictions are really uh, an aspect of strongholds. So you can have an addiction, and that addiction is a stronghold in your life and it needs to be torn down. And so, compulsive strongholds, remember we talked about compulsive. Uh, compulsive problems compulsive being compulsive is desiring strongly to do something that means you feel that i can't i can't overcome the feeling that i get when when i when i want this thing and it's a compulsion and so that is a part of addiction it's where you have this compulsion to do it uh, I know sometimes with cigarette smoking, it can be a compulsion based upon nicotine, nicotine addiction as well. But it's not just that. Many times people say, oh, I need it to relax me. <laughs> so they use it really to medicate themselves to whenever they're in a stressful situation. So it's not just nicotine. Amen? And by the way, cigarettes are not relaxants, they're stimulants. So nicotine does not relax you. It makes you more hyper, all right? Maybe for the moment, because in the moment, the nicotine addiction is quenched, so you feel relaxed. But that's not reality. That's not a truth, because all that's happening is that addiction, you've just now fed it, so the next time around, it it grows stronger again. Because whenever you feed an addiction, it just becomes stronger. Amen? Appetites grow when you feed them, (laughs) The more you eat food, the more food you're going to eat. (laughs) The more you moderate your food, the more healthy you're going to be. If you'd stop eating altogether, you'd lose your appetite altogether. If you've ever fasted for more than two or three days, you'll find that it was even hard to get back to eating again. Where you say, oh, I don't even know if I want to go to eat. Why? Because you've lost your appetite. See, if you don't feed your appetite, it dies. (laughs) So that's why if you smoke or if you do drugs or you drink, you have to stop feeding it. And when you stop feeding it, the desire for it stops. But if you keep having a little bit on the side, <laughs> you're continuing to feed it. And so the, the appetite continues to grow, you see. So you got to be careful about stuff like that. Same on the other side. Bible reading. Well, I've never did much, done much of Bible reading. Well, what you need to do is feed the appetite. <laughs> is when you feed the appetite for Bible reading, then you're going to have build an appetite for Bible reading. <laughs> but it, it won't come out of nothing, do you understand? It's not also I'm going to wake up and want to read my Bible all the time. It's going to happen as you feed the desire to read the Bible. That's the principle of appetites. <laughs> so some appetites need to be fed, going to church... Oh, I don't know, but the only reason you don't want to go to church is because you've gotten used to not going to church. You've stopped feeding it, so you started to lose your appetite for it. Amen? Until God comes in there and shakes up your world and say, Oh, I need God. And then you go back to church. Amen? But it has a lot to do with your appetites. You understand? And so there's some appetites you feed. There's some appetites you control. You need to eat food or you will die. So you have to eat food, but you need to moderate Your food eating, your your what what do you eat? If you go all crazy and I'm just gonna eat what I want and just feast, 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 well, your appetite's gonna grow and then you're gonna be that type of person. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Like me, you know. (laughs) Amen. So you gotta moderate your appetites. And then other appetites you have to cut off completely. Sin needs to be cut off. Because the longer you feed them, the more they'll grow. You understand? So that's a very important principle that you need to operate with your life, you know, and this will help you. And so, compulsive strongholds are divided into three different groups. The first group is experiences. You can become addicted to an experience. I think many times that's even in the CCM world, people are addicted to the, the rock and roll experience in the church house. Because when you talk to them, that's all they talk about. They, I've never heard someone tell me about the message their pastor preached. I've only ever heard them say, that music really helps me. <laughs> now, this morning, I love the special music. Amen? But here, as a musician, you've got to kind of be humble because they're not going to talk about you all the time. But it's going to help you. Do you understand? Here, what I want you to walk away with is the truth of the Scripture. Do you understand? That's important it shouldn't be the experience <laughs> all right so the sexual experience entertainment is an addiction experiential addiction adrenaline that's why i say i know people do crazy things you know it, it's not necessarily a good thing to do and just because they do it and people are making money at it and because they drink red bull doesn't mean you need to do it that that can be an adrenaline addiction it's an, it's, a, it's an experience addiction, amen? And they keep doing it, and folks, sooner or later, they meet their maker. I watch a program, a documentary once of all these adrenaline junkies that met their maker. It was always just one more, one more. This one guy, he did a, a jump off of a cliff where he had this rope, and I forgot what the rope did, but it, he went down, it was like a mile drop or something. It was just absolutely crazy. I think he broke a world record with it. So he set up this whole apparatus of ropes. He did this thing, and he was successful. And so everybody's, yeah, yeah, oh, great. And they you know, the TV's there, everybody's great. And so, so that was great. They went home, and they went back the next Monday to tear down the apparatus. But as this guy's looking at it, he's saying, oh, I really got to do this again. But he didn't realize that over the weekend, the elements began working away on the ropes and on the apparatus. And so when he went down the rope this time, he went straight to the bottom and died. What caused him to do it that day? That wasn't planned. It wasn't something they wanted to do, but it was something that caught him, a compulsion in the moment. And it got the better of him. He didn't think it through. He didn't think about the elements. He didn't think about the weather. He didn't think about the strength of the rope anymore because it worked last week and it killed him. See, that's compulsion, you see. Uh, Never to be like that. Uh, Never, hey, I understand, get yourself a motorcycle, you want to take a little jump. (laughs) People do things like that within reason. Be very careful. Uh, Adrenaline. The occult can be an experience as well. Some people get that hooked in them. They have to go back again. Had this one person, they kept going back to the, to the, the tarot card readers and so forth. It gets to be uh, an, a, a, a compulsion, an addiction that they want to go back. You got to remember in Genesis or Galatians chapter 5 that witchcraft is a work of the flesh. So your flesh is actually attracted to witchcraft. That's why when you see a movie or an advertisement of witchcraft, oh, what's that about? Your flesh is drawing out to it. And you want it. But that's where the Spirit says, no. And you die to the flesh. (laughs) Amen? So I'll have nothing to do with that. The Bible says, suffer not a witch to live. Amen? So I'm not going to be a part of that. So I'll never be watching movies about witches and so forth. It's ungodly and wicked, and it will feed your flesh. And if it feeds your flesh, you're going to become stronger. You're going to have a greater desire and addiction for that, and you're going to find yourself compulsively maybe renting something or something like that because you want it. Amen. Am I ringing bells? <laughs> this truth or what? Amen. Amen. And then there's also uh, strongholds on people, people. Um. You can have a stronghold where you're ruled by the fear of others. Where certain people put fear in you and because of that they control you. This is how cult leaders do it. And they develop a stronghold in people's lives where they're afraid to go against what this person says. And you develop a fear of man. And that is very serious. Amen. So, oh, I forgot one there, but we yeah, people. Uh, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So fearing people is never God's plan. (laughs) Never God's plan. You ought not have a fear of people, and that's what's making you right. You ought to fear God. Fear God. Amen? And if you fear God, then you will be right. You will be. Uh, How about worshiping someone? Or yourself as a God? Sometimes you can wor- worship your significant other, your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, uh, some hero, some uh, hockey star, some whatever. Uh, these can become addictions for people. And they start putting up the posters and they start just following these people and just making them a big part of their life. That, that's a, an addiction. Amen? And they worship them much like a god. And the world talks about, oh, the, is that your idol? Oh, yeah, he's my idol. And everybody's walking around, oh, yeah, that's my idol. <laughs> well, think about it. We well, just called this man an idol. <laughs> In the Old Testament, they would burn the idols and then they would kill you if you worshiped them. But nowadays, we're walking around saying, oh, this is my idol, this sports star. They're not worthy of it. Amen. <laughs> hey, They're mostly, many times they're drunkards and they're on drugs and so forth and immoral. Many of them are immoral. Not all of them. There can be some good Christian men in these situations, but they are struggling big time being around the rest of them. (laughs) Amen. I've heard of guys like that. They said it's just difficult because they always want to pull you into their drugs and their alcohol and to their partying and into the women and so forth. It's a very immoral thing. It's not something you ought to give yourselves to. I'm not against watching a hockey game. I'm not against uh, seeing a game of sorts. Uh, I kind of stay away from the big arena things because they've just made it just a big rock concert, basically. <laughs> you know, heavy metal music just blasting. Your ears are blown out, you know. Uh, I just don't get, have fun in a place like that. And so it says, For I say, though grace given unto me, that to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So it's basically what God has done for you. That's what makes you worthy in any way whatsoever. God has given you your gifting. And so you just thank him for it. Give him glory for it. Amen. But you're definitely not worth worshiping. (laughs) All right. So, and I'm not either. Please don't ever do that. I've seen some pastors. It seems like some people worship their pastors and don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. And it's not that uncommon. I mean, they're not saying we're worshiping the pastor, but in their actions they do. Amen? Don't ever do that. Uh, use people to get what you need rather than bonding with them in joy. Sometimes people, to some people, are just there to accomplish something for me. That's, that's wrong. And if they're like that, they do it all the time. They're always using people for their own satisfaction that's not what this is about we ought to be giving ourselves for others <laughs> amen not taking from others for ourselves. i'll tell you something you get a house of god you get all of our people here all giving of themselves to each other can you imagine what kind of church that could be but then you get people in the church everybody sucks everything out of everybody else to yourself imagine what kind of church that would be <laughs> amen you can't be like that we have to give and as long as we keep giving, we'll always receive. There's always somebody giving to us as we're giving to others. Amen? That, that's the body life. That's the way it ought to be. But when you become someone that's always sucking the life out of people, <laughs> there are people like that. You, you spend time with them. It's like, man, I need to go sleep for a week. <laughs> I just need to get my energy back here. It's like I've been through Third World War. You know? The virtue has gone out of me. <laughs> you know? Folks, I like it when you sit down with somebody, when you're done your conversation, both of you are picked up and strengthened. The Lord can do that. He can actually bring more strength into both of you as both of you contribute to the edifying of one another, where you both walk away stronger than you were before. That's a miracle. It really is. It's supernatural. Amen. Um, So. The other addictions, of course, I missed that, were substances, alcohol, drugs, and food. These all can be addictions. And many times they have they have uh, issues behind them, why you're doing it. Many people go to alcohol and drugs for self-medicating. They're dealing with some kind of a trauma or feeling in their own heart that they don't like feeling. And when you don't feel that, don't want to feel that, I just want to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really sometimes the same thing the doctors do when they give you pre- prescription medication. I don't like feeling this way, so well then I'll give you this, it'll take it away. Now folks, I'm not saying that there's not a time where that may not happen. But now I've even read an article last week where doctors are saying it, it, they're totally reevaluating their whole uh, strategy towards these type of problems in depression by using these medications. Now sometimes what I do is I think I would never tell somebody to stop because if they've become dependent upon them, uh, those medications are keeping them from being, doing stupid things. <laughs> Amen? So you can't just tell them to stop doing it. But what you have to do is start teaching them how to rely on the Lord so they themselves can get off of them. Amen? But you can't just expect everybody just to stop. <laughs> because they themselves are becoming addicted to it where they need it. They think the only way that I can feel good is if I take these alcohol or drugs or prescription medication. And it's not true. God didn't design you like that. He designed you for joy. He designed you for happiness. He, de- he designed you to have peace in your heart, wherever you are. And you don't need anything from this dirty, rotten, stinking world to get it. Amen? He says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Why are we exchanging the peace of, the, of Christ for the peace of this world? Amen? Amen? But I'm saying let's be be sensitive to people that are in these situations because you can't just say, oh, just stop that. (laughs) You've got to help them understand and grow in their relationship with God so they can get themselves to a place where they're relying upon the Holy Spirit of God to bring them love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance. Amen. All those things come through the Spirit of God. Amen? So be careful when you're dealing with people, but at the same time, know the truth. I don't just sell out to the world because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But at the same time, I want people to have victory. Amen? You understand that? And so, what is the strategy that you need to implement to overcome these things? I think the first thing you need to do to put together a battle plan is enlist the help of spiritual people that understand your battle. Now, not everybody that, understand, that has gone through what you've gone through is the best leader for you. <laughs> I've had people go through things, that, oh, I'd be good for them. Well, I'd say, yeah, you would, but you still haven't dealt with your problems. <laughs> I mean, you're still in bondage to your issues. You're not going to help them, amen? What you want somebody is who has gone through it, has overcome it, and has victoriously come out the other end, and will know what to say to them to encourage them to keep going forward. Amen? Spiritual people. So brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Because when you're dealing with people in deep sin, you'll have to be very close to deep sin sometimes. So you need meekness. You need to consider yourself. Because you could fall. Amen. I remember one time I was trying to help this guy. And he was a a musician. And uh, so he was involved. I thought he was coming out of it. But then he began. He started a uh, a, a guitar school. He started a recording studio. And he was basically recording pretty rock and roll style music and then he was coming to church and he was a christian and so forth i loved the guy and so i thought maybe i can help him but what i failed to take into account was that i personally was not really ready to do it because i came through that but i haven't resolved some of it and i found that i failed because of it not in a deep way but i found personally in my heart that i knew that i i'm, not, I'm coming short for this person because I and myself have not overcome the desires of my heart for what he's doing. Amen? And so I backed out of it. I he says, I can't help you. you. know, I need to get away from it because it was starting to feed me. It was starting to tweak my thinking. You know, And so I had to be wise that way and realize I'm not the best person <laughs> for you right now. And I had to walk away. That was early on in my Christian life and I should have known... But you know how it is. You think you know, (laughs) right? And so you which are spiritual. A spiritual person is someone that's operating from the spirit, not through the emotions, not through pressures. They're allowing the principles of God's word to guide them internally through the spirit, through the soul, out of the body. Starts on the inside working out, amen? That's a spiritual person. A spiritual person judgeth all things. They're very, they're judgmental on things. I don't like judgmental. Oh, well, you got to be judgmental. You got to judge things. Don't judge people, but judge things. A lot of things, all things, everything. Amen. That'll be brought, brought to the scrutiny of the Word of God. Uh, letter B, or the second point, is the Bible. You need to seek scriptural help through a program or perhaps counseling. As much as you want to overcome this thing, this has been my experience. People have all kinds of hidden lies in their heart. And the reason why those lies are still there is because they want them there. They've already been deceived. That lie has become truth. So if a lie has become truth, then why would I change it? Amen. So sometimes you need somebody to facilitate the journey to help you understand where the lies are so you can understand this is wrong. I've been thinking wrong here. Amen. Because when you actually call something truth, that is a lie, you're really protecting yourself from the pain of that lie. You're trying to say, oh, I don't want to feel that anymore. So you're building walls around the lie. Well, if you're building, if you're the one building the wall, how can you be the one taking it down? amen now you have to take it down but the fact of the matter is if you don't have someone there showing you that this is a wall that you're building here you're never going to take it down because you're not even going to see what's on the other side and you're the one stinking building it you understand you're the one putting the bricks up it's not the devil doing that you're doing it amen and so sometimes you need help to navigate some of those past experiences to deal with some of the problems that you have erected in your life because you're trying to protect your own feelings. Amen? Very important. So Bible. So you need someone to give you biblical counseling. In John 8, verse 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what you need is, in your specific area of bondage, is you need a very intensified teaching about what you need to know about that particular sin. And so that takes the Word of God, and if you will allow the Word of God to do its work, it will free you from that addiction. Amen? It will. (laughs) You'll come out squeaky clean on the end if you keep your heart set towards the Lord. It's very important. There's a plan that I have uh, ordered And I've talked to the fellow many times, his name is David Brady, and it's a plan called the Purity Plan. So people that have been on pornography, uh, even, it doesn't even have to be that, it can be anything. It's a 15-week course that you can go through, and you can take it through a workbook and different books you have to read, and and, uh, things, even videos you have to watch, where you have to go through 15 weeks of that. And he'll take you through to victory over pornography sometimes you need that i'm not saying you always do but sometimes you do and you know what i'm I'm very tempted just to show it to all the men in our church maybe the whole church i don't know we'll see what we can do but it's very good solid teaching and so a major emphasis must be given on who you are in christ it's an identity problem issue that's where all your issues are your addictions are all based on how you feel about yourself. And that's why you need to douse yourself in truth about who you are, your identity of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's powerful. I remember one time I made a list of the scripture that all the different things that we are in Christ. And I came up with 31. And I thought one for every day of the month. Amen? Who we are in Christ. I've been looking for that list. I'm going to have to make another one, I guess. All right, prayer is another one. Prayer, training on how to walk in the Spirit and grow in your intimacy with the Lord through listening prayer. You not only tell God things, but you listen to God. Amen? Lord, what do I need to know here about this experience I went through? And let Him touch your heart and speak to you. Guess what? No matter what happened in your life, the Lord was there. First-hand experience. When you go to him in prayer and you talk to him about it, he will show you exactly the truth. He's never going to lie to you. He's going to expose the lies. And he's going to bring the truth into the equation. So afterwards, you're going to have perfect peace about what you've gone through in your life. Amen? But that's through prayer. That's a major part of coming to victory. There can be learned prayer. There's times that I've written out prayers for people. Uh, I said, hey, I wrote it out. Pray this for your kids every night. And it worked. It worked. Because they didn't know what to do, they didn't know how to pray. I don't know how to how to fight the devil with prayer. I can just say, "Dear Jesus, help me." <laughs> you know what I mean. And so I wrote it out, and I wrote how they ought to approach the spiritual warfare, what kind of bullets to put in the gun. Amen. And they did that every night in their child after that was delivered, because the parents prayed over that child every night, in a learned prayer. Amen. But then there's also request prayers. I mean, you got to ask God things and request things from Him. And say, Lord, I need this. Could I please have this in my life? I need it to go forward for you. I need you to help me with this. And request things from the throne. Bring petitions before the Lord. Amen? And then there's conversational prayers. That means as you walk every day and you're working and so forth, you're just talking to God like he's your friend. Saying, Lord, oh, this is a great day. Thank you so much. Amen? Amen? You go to your work and say, thank you for this job, Lord. I'm so grateful that you gave this to me. And you just keep talking to him throughout the day, and he loves that. Amen? Conversational prayer. And then you have intercessory prayer. That means you've got to begin to pray for other people. When you're just lying there or you're sitting there, just start thinking about people and say, Lord, could you please help that person get over that problem in their life? I do that sometimes, though. I do it all the time with the church. And I, uh, especially on Saturday nights, and I say, Lord, please let this person come to church tomorrow. And many times, that person who has not been there comes. The Lord lays somebody on my heart. (laughs) Somebody specifically. And it just, also know the blue in this person's face. Lord, that person, I haven't seen them in a little while. Please, could you please bring them to church tomorrow? And sure enough, there they are, standing in front of me. (laughs) That's intercessory prayer. Amen? And we need to do that for one another. You can't do that when you're so fixated on your own problems you can't see past yourself. you got to love people. you got to care greatly about people. you gotta, you got to care about the church. If, if you're not even preparing yourself for the house of God for Sunday morning, how can you help prepare other people? Amen? Most people don't think about church until they get up in the morning. <laughs> you know? you got to be thinking that on Saturday already. How am I going to prepare my heart so I'm ready to hear the word of God tomorrow because I want them to do a great work in my life, amen? Then when you're in that attitude, you start talking about the people. You say, Lord, this person, I noticed they were hurting last week. Could you please make sure that you just touch their heart this week and take care of their kids? I noticed their kids were sick last week. Lord, please make it that they can come to church. (laughs) It's amazing how can of the Lord can just take away the sniffles, (laughs) amen? Sometimes it's your prayer that does that. We need to have intercessory prayer. And we need to pray for others that have problems. You see somebody struggling in the church. You see someone with a dark attitude. You see someone that's depressed. You see somebody that's hurt. You ought to be praying for them. You ought to always look around the church. Who can I pray for this week? And maybe pick somebody. Pick a couple of people that you say, you know, I think the Lord wants me to pray for them this week. And just have them on your mind and heart. and Just, just intercede for them every day. Amen. And watch God do a great thing in their life. Then what you need to do is learn to increase your capacity. Your capacity. What does it take for you to react? What does it take for your emotions to get overloaded? See, that's based on living in a life of being overloaded. If I'm living in a home where I'm constantly on edge my capacity in my emotional life is up sitting up at 90 percent and so I can bring it down to 80 but I'm always just kind of balancing when anything happens it just shoots right back up I'm always at my capacity so what that means is I don't have the capacity to handle problems I don't have the capacity to handle the issues in my life because I'm already riding on the edge just with normal everyday situations so what I need to do is learn how to bring my capacity level down so I can have more of a buffer when big things come and I get hit that I don't get blown out of the water. <laughs> See, if you've got an anger problem, that's going to be the issue. Your anger problem's keeping your capacity filled right up. And that means you can't handle much and you can't do much. You, you just got to sit back because you, get, you react too, too easily. Amen? In fact, over time, you learn to just back up because you know you can't handle it. So you have to seek ways to bring your capacity to a place where you can handle more pressure. The Lord knows what you can handle now, but you could handle more. You can do more. And the more you can handle, the more that God can use you for his work. Because when you deal with people You need capacity, man. (laughs) I'll tell you something. You'll go from a 10 to a 60 in no time whatsoever. We're talking about a 50% increase in a short time. I got to have at least 40% left. You understand that? Because I need to go home and talk to my family. And that's why many times we're already at our top uh, capacity and then we go home and our family gets it. You understand that? So we've got to learn how to study to be quiet. To quiet our soul. To get peace in our heart. And to start training our capacity to go down. And to get down to zero. (laughs) Amen? It's like the last time I talked about capacity, I was talking about how that, um, there's emotion, but there's also reality or truth and many times what happens is the the truth can uh, or the reality can bounce up and then the emotion follows that so if i see a snake on the ground that's a snake (laughs) you know immediately i'm scared (laughs) you know so if that snake comes to me every hour for three weeks my level is going to be like this you understand so that's why you have to be careful you got to learn how to actually take your thoughts captive because the devil can, can cause you to operate in a state of imagination where to you it's like reality so your imaginations are now controlling your emotions not reality it's not a real snake or maybe I looked a little closer and it was just a rubber one but my mind is still thinking it's real you understand? Your mind can be deceived. And that's why it's very important in the house of God that you don't start thinking in imaginations. Oh, this is that what that person thinks, and this is what they're doing. <laughs> Folks, you cannot judge a man's heart. You cannot. It's foolish for you to do that. You don't even know your own heart. How do you expect to know somebody else's? Amen? So I can't judge your motivations for what you do. All I can judge are things, your actions. I can say that action was not good. (laughs) And whatever's behind that action needs to be dealt with. Amen? But I don't know what it is. In fact, many times you guess and you're wrong. You know? And so I think that we really need to be careful about learning how to study to be quiet, get peace in our heart, learning how to operate in life where things don't set us off the way the way many times they do. We need to learn to be balanced and moderate. And that's what the Apostle Paul really said. He said, um, be moderate in all things. Be moderate. Amen? That means be balanced. Be consistent. Don't be roller coaster. <laughs> and then you'll have capacity for the hits of life. Where you don't lose control and hurt your family and hurt the church and hurt people around you. Amen? Uh, then healing is another one. You know, I'm almost done. Just I apologize, folks. But then we're done all of this, all right? So healing, uh, sometimes you need to give yourself to deal with the inner issues of your heart. You need healing in areas of your life. You've gone through things, and you know it's been dogging you since day number one. You need healing. Stuff that's happened to you when you're five years old, you're still carrying it around. You need to be healed. There's no reason why you as an adult are still suffering with stuff that you've dealt with as you went through as a child. Maybe the world has taught you that. Well, you got no choice. Just, no, that's Sigmund Freud. Kick him out. <laughs> He's no good. You know what you need? You need some good healing from the word of God. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It's something that the Lord allowed in your life and he, he allowed you to go through it in victory. Amen.